Well, Film Files, guess what? It's Tuesday again, and we have another hour of discussion for you. And we're doing another tribute episode tonight, sadly. Gene Wilder died on August 30th? August 30th. Yeah, he died on August 30th. So uh, Ben had the idea to do a Gene Wilder movie. Yes. It's a good episode to do that because we have a... Uh, it's been long enough to call him a special guest. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, Stuart Randolph. Ha, ha yeah. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I'm back. So Hopefully we're gonna, forever. We're going to do our little intro thing and then we'll get right to it. And that sounds like this. This is Movie Show Theater. Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What we've got here is failure to communicate. Open the five bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What do you want? You want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around and pull it down. What's your favorite scary movie? You've never seen a grown man naked? Okay. Now, blubby, bottle of cheap, stinking chip oil! Faced. Half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder. This is theater. Well, I didn't really mention up at the top, but we decided on Blazing Saddles. Yeah, that's kind of tough coming up with uh, a Gene Wilder film to do. Uh, I don't know. There are a couple that are out there that are, that are you know, hits. <clears throat> I mean, think about it. I think that's why it makes it so difficult. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that. It's funny. There, he didn't do a whole lot of stinkers, and the ones that weren't that great, unfortunately, were with Richard Pryor. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and other than that, uh, everything that he did with Mel Brooks was always outstanding. You know, the producers, Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, those are all classics. Yeah, I think my favorite still to this day is See No Evil, Hear No Evil. With <laughs> that's Richard, Pryor. Richard Pryor. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. So I hadn't watched this. I hadn't watched Blazing Saddles probably since high school, and I don't remember, I'll say, getting it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I kind of put it in the category of generational comedy, where, you know, like Caddyshack, sure. I never... Sure, It's like, I can appreciate what it did for comedy and, you know, the skyrocketing certain people to stardom, but... Sure. Or Animal House is another one that... It's, it's okay. But I watched this again today and just fell in love with the chemistry between Gene Wilder and... Um, Cleavon Little. Cleavon Little. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, my the, God. The, the beauty of the first scene when they're introduced to each other. Yeah, when they're in the jail. <laughs> Where is it? Are we awake? I don't know. Are we black? <laughs> we are. Then we're awake. But yeah. we're very confused. <laughs> I think, too, what's great about the film, I mean, it's obviously a satire, so it takes that, you know, big, manly, Western pastiche and just totally turns it on its head. It's like, oh, you're forgetting, you know, other Western movies, how horribly racist everyone was, how horribly backward everyone was, how people were just, you know, killed on a whim, raped on a whim. And uh, we were having this discussion before the recording started. It might be difficult to get this movie made today just because of the amount of uh, racial slurs. Actually, there's one that would be considered a homophobic slur that's kind of slipped in there at the end. But it's not done really out of nastiness. It's just to show that, you know, it was a pretty ugly time. But 
movies wouldn't reflect that if they were well movies we've we've covered that haven't really shown some of that like i'm thinking of you know clint eastwood and oh yeah full dollars and oh yeah movies oh, like yeah. that yeah it was um as far as black actors go when this came out it was still a lot of drug dealers and pimps and black exploitation films and very uh, much so yeah yeah so I mean, obviously, this is like a gross exaggeration uh, for the sake of humor, but I was reading about the reception of this movie because obviously I was not uh, able to go to the theater when this came out. But it kind of reminded me of when Django Unchained came out and people were very offended by the blatant uh, use of of the word. Right, um, right, right. And it's it's really kind of disturbing to me when, like, the more that I heard that, you know, because it's, it's like, well, yeah, it's not something that anybody's proud of. But, I mean, pick up a history book. There's nothing exaggerated there's, there. Yeah, there is nothing exaggerated there. And, and it's unfortunate that, it, let's be honest, it, it used in the context of Blazing Saddles, it's you, they're using this word that is widely reviled now, and it even was then, but mm-hmm. it was used a lot more then than it is now by people who are, you know, uh, obviously very racist. But um, again, it was tongue-in-cheek. It was meant to be a slap in the face of of all of the, that, uh, of the people who are actually using the word in... For real, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Versus, you know, I mean, it, the, the, I don't know. It dancing around the word, you know, not being able to say the word. It always, you know, it it drives me crazy because it is a word and it's charged with awful feeling and it's charged with hatred. And yet, in the context of this movie, you can't help but say if it hadn't, if they hadn't used that word, there wouldn't be a movie. Yeah. Well, it would have been just like just like anybody else tiptoeing around something. And Mel Brooks has never been one to tiptoe around anything. So. Yeah, well, I feel like, too, um, kind of poking fun at the stupidity and ignorance of of white people and the way that white people are portrayed in this film. Oh, jeez. I mean, uh, the it, fact that everybody in Johnson. town is named Johnson, I yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Plus the fact that, that the Howard Johnson restaurant and hotel chain at that time was a huge thing. So, I mean, yeah. they're, uh, yeah. they're chilling out in the saloon with, with cows and <laughs> they're, yeah, I, I would say out of all the people who are portrayed negatively, except for Jim slash the Waco kid, for the most part, uh, most of the the Caucasian slash white people in this film are all kind of monsters. Uh, I loved Headley really? Lamar, yeah. though. <laughs> Headley! Headley! He's like one of those perfect villains where I know you're supposed to hate him, but his performance was just so over the top and like almost vaudevillian in a way that... Oh, I just love it. I expected him to like tie somebody up and you know throw him on railroad tracks or something. Like yeah, <laughs> what is that? Uh, Snidely Whiplash or something like that? Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The where he's twisting battle. the mustache. Yeah, the ping pong battle with uh, I got a Mel busted Brooks one. Is the governor that was wonderful. <laughs> Plus, like their portrayal of uh, like the government at that time, which I guess could probably also. I mean, if they updated it, it'd probably hold true for today, but. Just that they didn't have any idea what they were doing. They're just kind of there saying, wait, what's my job? What am I doing? <laughs> I like the whole work, work, Sign work, here. work, work. <laughs> Hello, boys. See you later. <laughs> work, 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 work. 
it was kind of a, an early Bill Clinton, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Bill Clinton watched that movie and said, that could be me someday. That's right. (laughs) Mel's lines, his pacing of the delivery of his lines is so expert. Oh, absolutely. And the, I mean, the the script is hilarious. The written line is is great, but there's obviously a lot more to the performance than just delivering the line. The the scene in the prison when they first meet and Cleavon says something like, are you going to die or... Oh, he drinks and he goes... A man who drinks like that is going to die. Yeah, and Gene Wilder just waits perfectly, and he's like, when? When? <laughs> it's just so great. He's just so careful and so delicate with all of with all of his lines. You know, it really kind of like draws you into the emotionality of it. As silly as this movie is, you Well, totally it is are. completely ridiculous, but you're right. It's, it's the, it is the delivery of the lines. It's the way that... Well, it, it's... It's particularly the Waco kids part in this because he's not the main character. You know, the sheriff is obviously the main character, and and yet you needed he even in a movie like this, you needed the support of somebody who's just as patently ridiculous as everybody else, and yet you know able to kind of hold his own. And with the whole bit where he goes. Oh dear, you know when they're sitting there talking yeah, yeah, yeah. And about how quick he was and whatnot, and, and, and he snatches the piece out of the between his hands. <laughs> I mean, it it comes down to it, and he goes, "But I shoot with this hand," and he raises the hand, yeah, and yeah. it's all shaky and all over the place. But it ends up that he ends up being, you know, obviously pretty steady-handed and is able to kind of get his back later on, but. It, it, again, that kind of sidekick thing. It was something new for the time, and it's new even now where a white guy was a sidekick to a black guy, you mm-hmm. know? And and I think that that, more than anything, was groundbreaking, but Wilder's performance was perfect for it. And he goes on later on, of course, you know, works with Gene, uh, not Gene, uh, <clears throat> with Richard Pryor. Like All five throughout, or five or six movies. different five movies they did together. The buddy film genre for him was great. Oh, totally. And and while they weren't critically successful, any of them, with the, maybe Stir Crazy was probably the only mm-hmm. one that really did any well, any good for him. But um, the others, obviously, I mean, it kept up both of them working until, you know, until the mid-90s almost, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I want to say. And very modest budgets, too. Yeah, they I were mean, small I, budget it's, films. It's been yeah. a while since I've seen... See no evil, hear no evil. But I know there's no big special effects, and I can't think of like a major studio movie within the last five years that, like, even as a buddy movie, has a, a, a budget like that. There's there's just a lot of well, wasted money. Any, I mean, I won't say wasted anymore. But, there aren't any major studio film or uh, major studios that are making movies like that. It's, it's all independent rare. films. It's very rare for that. Like Twenty One Jump Street is, I guess, kind of a a buddy flag. Yeah. yeah. But after that, I strain to even think of anything really that's along those lines. Yeah. And it's interesting coming back to Blazing Saddles, though, the writing, though, for that particular, even kind of came across as a buddy film at some points. But more than anything else, it was all, it, it was a vehicle for satire of the time and particularly coming out of the 60s. It was, it was a vehicle for social commentary. And, uh, you couldn't have been more relevant than when it did come out, you know, than than at that point for the for the different things that they tackled, all the way from sexuality 
with the Dom DeLuise character at the end, <laughs> which was just hilarious. Yeah. Sounds like steam escaping. <laughs> yeah, I think something like that wouldn't uh, would have a lot of trouble getting made today because like the the racial undertones i i think maybe um you could see past it because it's kind of when you watch this movie it's obvious that they're making uh a statement on racism and but the they're uh, making is go ahead i'm sorry well, no yeah. i was just gonna say but at, at the end with the uh the chorus line i personally wasn't offended but it was kind of like oh I don't know if you could do that today. But people are offended by everything today. And that's- you see, yeah. that's the problem. There it is, right there. If you're offended by that last bit, you were not aware of what was going into making musicals and everything else at the time with the chorus lines and everything that were happening. It was predominantly, you know, people who were in the gay and and lesbian community at the time. I mean, it really was. There were a oh, yeah. lot of homosexuals who were involved with that. And and quite frankly, I think it was funny that they were got it. it, it they made it to the big screen finally. There was yeah. like their debut almost. Yeah. And and it's horrible to say it that way, but that's kind of what it was, you know. And, and and it was a brief moment, but it was a funny moment. And then you move on, you know. I think I'm trying to think of anything else at the time that even had anything that was vaguely homosexual in it that wasn't completely panned. And I'm, I'm, I think the only thing I can think of was um, Diamonds Are Forever with the, with the two bad guys and Diamonds Are Forever, James Bond. Yeah, I don't remember Diamonds Are Forever. They were very gay, the two bad guys from that, you know, mm-hmm. and uh. – Well, it's an inter- interesting time too that we're looking at where, you know, LGBT characters are – being put into storylines of shows almost on purpose, whereas with with this, I don't think it was like forcing a character into a show just for the sake of diversity, which happens, and it's unfortunate when that happens. I feel like it was done well. I mean, that's the thing. Like When I watch a movie like Blazing Saddles, very early on I know that nothing is sacred and nobody's safe like okay you have you know these two african-american characters drowning in quicksand and their overseers decide to save the uh the hand cart the darn near 400 hundred dollar hand cart instead of the two men oh i thought it was was it 400 dollars? i thought it was only 20 dollars I think it was twenty dollars. That, that hand card. Darn near lost a four hundred dollar hand card. Oh, okay, four hundred. Okay, yeah. All right. I thought it was less than that. I thought that, you know, it, it just the the demeaning of 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 you know, or the the lessening of the value of somebody's life at that point. I mean, that's just hilarious. Yeah, I think you'd been around long enough that it, you go into that movie. Obviously, sure, a lot of people probably uh, were offended and or left, but. Um, if you if you've ever seen a Mel Brooks movie, hopefully you have an idea of what's in store. You would hope, and it's also it's also interesting too. Looking at this movie, like it's not really fair to use today's standards and apply it to a movie that came out thirty five years ago, and then like critique that movie on those standards too. I think there are still movies coming out now that are still just as quote unquote offensive. Yeah, and they're I, getting away I, with a lot of different things now that that even then they wouldn't have been able to get away with and yet seem to have. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean, just uh, Tarantino movies. 
blatantly offensive to to everyone. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who you are. And yet he continues to make films that do very well in the box office, almost always, except for the most recent one, which I think that was his own fault, but that's okay. Uh, oh, Hateful, <laughs> the Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight, yeah. yeah. That was not good. Yeah, well, I haven't I seen it, it, but I, I just know it didn't do well at the box office because of the release, the way it was released, and so... Well, I mean, a, a couple of things that come to mind to me, and I think they're things that happened closely to each other within the storyline of Blazing Saddles. One, these villains come into town and, you know, there are men being dragged away on horses and guys getting beaten up. And then there's one villain behind an old woman holding her arms and then one the other one's punching her, her in, in the stomach. stomach. I mean, I mean, that's just, oh, yeah. oh, oh. Oh, you know, and just one right after another. Oh, you know, (laughs) and the guy, let's be honest, the humor when it's not satirical or when it's not, you know, based on race or or some other social injustice, it's pure 12 year old humor. Yeah, like the if beans you're, and the farting. The, when they're sitting around the fire yeah, and they're all eating beans and they're too. all just standing yeah, yeah. up. That and, was the first <sighs> fart scene ever in a movie, apparently. Was it really? Well, they did it well. Yeah. They not only did it well, they took it way past well into over the top. And I just, every time I see it, I giggle my 12-year-old butt off. I know, you right? Know? I guess that was a conversation from uh, something that Gene Wilder said about the Westerns he used to watch as a kid and said all they ever do is drink uh, booze, drink coffee, and um, eat beans. Eat beans. Like, Can you imagine how gassy they'd be? be? gas storm. Holy cow. I mean, it's lucky they didn't set themselves on the fire at some point. Like sulfur, yeah. you know? Yeah, like, know. Oh, <laughs> Purple haze hi- yeah. hanging over their campsites. You <laughs> I was going to say, too, another scene like another scene that will probably tip you off to nothing being safe uh well all the movies at that point but you know there's the executioner or hangman with the list yeah, yeah. and then one hello there's, yes your honor there's uh, a man on a horse and they're both on the platform and both the man and, and the, the horse, horse have a noose around their necks they're both hey this movie's not out to go after a certain person this movie is out to get everyone so don't yeah. take offense <laughs> yeah and who's the guy that they cut right to immediately and he's like oh don't worry that's just a man and a horse being hung that oh man. yeah no it was taggart yeah taggart yeah he's like because he jumped you know I knew that hangman looked familiar. I guess that's the same hangman from Men in Tights. It is, yeah. You like Men in Tights? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I had, I, it was wi- it was widely panned as not being a very good Mel Brooks film, but again, it I thought it was hysterical because yeah. it was completely making fun of what was going on at the time. And Carrie Elwes is, is, is was hilarious in yeah, that. Yeah, and Dave Chappelle. And... Oh, and she... <laughs> as a chew, yeah, son yeah, of a yeah. sneeze. Yeah, I mean, I I. I Yes, they're formulaic Mel Brooks movies, but let's be honest. If the formula works, use it. I'd rather watch use that it. than a scary movie. Or Truly. Or... Yeah, no kidding. Which, you know, was just dumb it was, yeah, for the it sake was, of being dumb. It was dumb. easy and there's no intelligence there either. No, you know? no. They, they don't really make it their they, own thing enough. No, the, the 12-year-old humor that's in a movie like that doesn't even hold a candle to the 12-year-old. Because it's not – it's – oh, it's just – Again, it's not good. Yeah, I feel like it'd be a funny scene on paper, and somebody shows it to, you know, Damon Wayans, and they're like, yeah, that's great. The scene calls for three actors and a giant weed plant, so let's do that. And then that's all they need to make the scene work. But 
Mel Brooks, uh, there's so much there to appreciate other than the script, other than the acting. Well, he had been he had been writing and, and doing this sort of thing That's forever like the and 50s, ever. Right? Yes, like the 50s, right? Yes, I mean, yeah. I mean, well, the stuff, again, the stuff with Carl Reiner, the, the thousand-year-old man bit, and all the other, you know, stuff that he had been doing on stage. And um, it... it this was not new to him. This was this was this was old stuff to him. He had been doing it for a long time, and bringing in new blood like Richard Pryor for that really edgy humor for this was brilliant as well. Mm-hmm. And somebody who we haven't talked about at all, as far as the movie goes, Madeline Kahn as Lily oh, von yeah, Stupp. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Oh my god! That <laughs> whole scene. I, I'm tired, <laughs> tired of playing the game. You know, that whole bit is just hysterical. And it's all about, you know, she's obviously a whore, you know? And, yeah, those and, lyrics are amazing. Oh, and we sing that every time somebody gets tired around my house, house everybody goes, <laughs> I'm tired, tired of playing the game. Does Lynn like Blazing Saddles a lot? Oh, she loves it. We all yeah. love Blazing Saddles. And my kids, when I finally got them to watch it, they were like, where has this been? I mean, because they understood everything. They're, they're bright enough to, to pick it all up. But they, they, were in high, they were in early high school when they first watched it. And so, again, perfect timing for a movie like this. Because if you're not thinking about this sort of thing – and appreciating the ridiculousness of some people, then how are you going to you know deal with it in your own life? And a lot yeah. of times, and it's one of those those films too. You probably want to show your kids when they're way younger because then they'll repeat what was said in the movie to like exactly. their friends, or like they're at a friend's house and the parents standing right there, and they kind of like. Oh, Ben Jr. used these five slurs. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have showed Ben Jr. Blazing Saddles. The yeah. word. <laughs> yeah, there's this bad stigma when we hear it. We just get up, walk away. <gasps> like, I don't know. I don't care what the context was. You said it. But I would rather hear that than somebody using the phrase the N-word. Yeah, no kidding. Because it seems Cause like... Because that, 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 again, it, again I, I, it comes back to the word has a great deal of power. The minute that we understand that it is a word that has connotations of ugliness and hatred and all of all kinds of other stuff, but we not only understand that but are able to ignore that to a degree and just accept the fact that if we're not using it for that purpose, it is just a word. Mm-hmm. Words have no power unless there's something behind them. That word has more power over people now than it ever did in the past because yeah. if you're not a – it, it, it was funny. I was listening to a comedian the other day who said something about um, – I think it was Brad Johnson or something like that. He's a he's a dwarf comedian or a little person comedian. And and he uses the word midget a lot in his thing, in his act. And, and somebody goes, that's just like using the N-word, using the word midget. And he goes, no, it's not because I can say the word midget. And I can't say the N word, you know. Yeah. There's nothing. I mean, there's no comparison there. I think you know? little person is way more offensive than me. I would think Just so too. Little, side oh, note. little person yeah. sounds to me like, oh, look, it's a yeah. Little but again, guy. deserves a little pat they, on his head. But again, but that, there it comes back to what do people want to be called? And, exactly, and that's a good point. And it's and it's a and it's a focus on and, and it's a focus on on naming things and how names have power and how words have power if given them power and 
I just wish that this word would go away and we would it would just become powerless and we could just say it and not nobody would say anything about it because it's now a part of our past. Mm-hmm. It's now done. But people still give it power and it's always going to be that way as long as we have the issues that we have now. Mel Brooks I think was one of those people and 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 along with Gene Wilder and a lot of people who were involved in the writing of Blazing Saddles, they understood the power of that word. They understood how it was used within that movie, and quite frankly, they used it to such great comedic effect that that it became almost – by the end of the movie, you just expected it. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of a side bonus. I mean the, they, you, you hear it about 10 seconds into the movie, and then a bunch of uh, black railroad workers go, in, go into a Frank Sinatra song, and then all the ignorant – cowboy uh slave owners go into an old railroad tune camp town lady yeah, sing yeah, this yeah. song doodar doodar so you're like well this movie uh has hundreds of well-educated black actors who not only are they okay saying it and hearing it and being called it to their face they're able to understand the point of what's being attempted here so i think if they're okay with it it's okay. Well, I think a lot of it, too, is something Stu already mentioned. You know, it's just a reflection of not the period of just the the time the movie's set in, but the time surrounding the actual date of the movie's Absolutely. release. Absolutely. Like, 1971. Uh, that was the year I was of, born, by the way. Oh, there you go. Um, if you think about, okay, um, Bart just took down Mongo with a candy gram, a bomb slash candy gram, and you know the old lady comes with the pie and apologizes at the jail, and then you know he's having that conversation with the gym, and everything shuttered up, and the gym says, "Yeah, in another twenty five years, you'll be able to shake their hands in broad in public, daylight, exactly yeah, 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 in broad daylight, right? Awesome. Yeah, I know. And it, again, that's that's perfect. That is such a it's a, not. It, it, I had forgot all about the candy gram. Yeah. Candy gram for Mongo. Candy gram for Mongo. <laughs> Me, Mongo. <laughs> well, plus two, poor Bart, when he comes into town as the sheriff, you know, riding on a The host, whole introduction. He takes himself hostage. That is such a brilliant scene. I love the little welcome sheriff banner that rolls that right rolls up. That rolls right up again, yep. And the, the little... sheriff is a... Yeah. <laughs> you said the sheriff is near? <laughs> No, concern it. <laughs> yeah, and the little hero shot in the <laughs> desert. <laughs> He's just riding on riding along. Yeah, reminding me of the old which, spice guy. Which, very much so. Way, uh, or the Marlboro uh, Man. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. get you, sucker. Totally stole their um, their theme music idea, <laughs> or maybe it was just an ode to it because you know. And I'm gonna get you, sucker. The the protagonist is walking around, and you know, there's a band following. Absolutely, him. yeah. I think that was a nod, probably, to Blazing Saddles. Oh, absolutely, that big band it was. was just in the desert. There's a guy on the piano, just like, hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, I love the whole. It, it, we're gonna have to do. I'm gonna get you sucker one of these days because the whole idea of having your own theme mu- music follow you around is perfect. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it might have been. It, it, it wasn't necessarily a nod, I don't think, but it was definitely along the same lines. That would be awesome. But, I was just thinking about what song. I would choose if you could have like one song play out loud as a PA system uh, follows you following around. you around all the time. Yeah. Would you get tired of that one song? I don't know. You could turn it up. You could turn it off, but you can't. You change can't change the track. it. Oh, I, don't, I'm not see, I think a remix. Uh, yeah, you song? can do the remix. 
Oh, okay. So with time. It yeah. would probably feature Pitbull, though. Ah, most of them do. Uh, most of them do. Dives. Most of them do. Excuse me, I'm just going to dive out of this yeah, window because no right. there's no hope that's for the world. That's probably what Ben's would be. Pitbull is my favorite musical artist. Can you hear my sincerity? He was at the uh, Illinois State Fair last year. What? Isn't that a weird venue? That doesn't seem like a very yeah. pitbull place. That but seems no. like you might have relived some moments from Blazing Saddles there. Yeah, that's pretty white. <laughs> <laughs> Make it stop. And, and thanks for the show. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, yes. I was going to mention about opening or the scene when he goes into town. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, no. The fact that he draws his own gun, puts it to his own neck, oh, yeah. and says... Nobody move. <laughs> you know, and of course we come up against that word again, you know, and it, that is perfect though because he at that time uh, it, it, it again when he leaves he's like, "Boy, are you good." And man, are they dumb. <laughs> you know, and that's the truth. I mean, it's just ignorance. And it was. And it still it, accurately it still, describes a lot absolutely. of the racial, you know, attitude in this country. They're just Ignorant, completely and totally ignorant. They have no. And then towards the end, once uh, everybody comes together at the end and they join forces, and <laughs> okay, we'll take the blacks and the the Chinese, but we don't want the Irish, you know. <laughs> and I agree with Jason. Like, yeah, everyone but the Irish. Irish, yeah, everyone but the Irish, yeah. So <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, that's what? <laughs> oh no. Yeah, I think Poor too, Irish one people. thing that was interesting, speaking of the ending, was almost the, the meta approach to the ending where they're watching the ending to their own movie. And then I one scene that was really cool was um, Bart's leaving town and then Gene Wilder's still holding – or sorry, Jim or, slash yeah, Lego Kid yeah. is still holding, holding the popcorn. Holding the popcorn, right. I really loved that. I mean, then I thought, oh, in the mouth of madness – that's kind of the ending to that movie. I wonder if if this is where they got that inspiration. I think well, like Blazing Saddles, like there were so many things I forgot because I hadn't watched it in a while. I was like, there are so many things that wouldn't exist without Blazing Saddles alone. Like uh, Family Guy wouldn't exist at all without well Mel Brooks in general. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm oh yeah. The Simpsons, and it's like their flavor of humor is definitely on the same. Lines. The pushing the, the lines. The of pushing what's the lines okay. of not just what's okay, but the really hitting satire. Mm-hmm. what true satire is on the nose you know taking what is what is happening in the world really putting it in bright light and showing all the faults and fallacies and everything else that go along with it and yet doing it in such a way that you cannot help but laugh mm-hmm. you cannot help but sit back and just think man they got us on that one they've ap- we are stupid as stumps, you know, mm-hmm. and and it, it was just it, it, truly those those who do it well do it so well you almost don't recognize it as that because you're just nodding along with them saying you betcha you you got it right you know mm-hmm. so yeah I think you're absolutely right Ben I mean I think one thing too uh, I don't think we I think we mentioned the scene 
but we didn't mention the full explanation of it. I love the Waco kid's backstory and why he's an alcoholic now. <laughs> that you know he had yeah. the fastest hands, not just in the West. Bastard shot me, but in the, in the world <laughs> because you know he was just challenged to draw after draw, and then one time he turns around because someone challenges him, and it's this little six-year-old, and he puts his gun d- guns down, but then the kid shoots him in the ass, and it's like <laughs> a cold and two whiskey bottle never came out exactly. <laughs> and his reaction is here, have a drink. Well, at yeah. that point, and then he drinks like what was it? It was a half full bottle of whiskey, just gurgle, gurgle, yeah. gurgle, gurgle, and done. You know? And then his uh, his demonstration of his fast hands with the chess piece, totally <laughs> hilarious. Well, it's Very funny, funny too how how Bart comes across as being almost more sophisticated and intelligent than most people because so here's the Waco kid and he's just guzzling whiskey and then. Uh, Bart has just kind of this glass. He's swirling. He's just sipping out like a connoisseur, and he's when he says, "Hey, why don't we play? Why don't we play chess?" You know, it's just like, well, he says, "What? What do you like to do?" He said, um, "Play chess." Screw. Well, let's play chess. <laughs> I, oh, and it another thing that this movie tackles, aside from race and and the ignorance that go along with it. it there's also drug use in it. Yeah, not just the drinking, to, uh... but he's sitting in the he's sitting <laughs> there. He's rolling a, a joint, and and, Gene and it would Wilder's be asleep. Gene No, he's not asleep. He's sitting there, and Gene Wilder is the one who also takes a big drag off it, and he goes, "Good luck!" in a high pitched voice oh, after yeah, he yeah, takes yeah. a great big hit off of a joint, and the two of them are handing it back and forth at one point. Oh, that's funny. I mean, I didn't even notice it the first time yeah, I watched I it. And then I look I back and I'm like, wow, that is. That's a joint that they're handing back and forth. I noticed when Cleavon says something like, I always keep the crowds entertained. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Gene Wilder is sleeping. But uh, yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what, what approach Stoop to entertained. take. Huh? He keeps Lily Von Stoop entertained. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me whip out my, ah. Excuse me while I whip this out. I just like how all of. Headley's schemes don't work like Lily wants Bart so bad that it's not really a scheme anymore that it's sincere she's like no please don't go because well she says she's I never met of, anyone like you before kind of, she says in her song that she's kind of dead below the waist so to speak yeah and Bart comes along and all of a sudden she can uh, feel below the waist again so yeah. she doesn't want to let that go. oh it's true it's true <laughs> yeah it kind of reminded me a little of the young Frankenstein when oh sweet mystery of life at last I found you when uh, the monster has his way with her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the other one I was thinking about uh, for the Gene Wilder tribute. I love Again. Willy Wonka, but oh my god, I've seen that movie so many times. Well, it, it, and see, the thing about it is, while it was gr- Willy Wonka was a great movie for kids, it didn't do very well at all. My mom and it doesn't it. hold up very well either, in my opinion. It holds up for me, mm-hmm. but you... I don't know. It holds I, up for me. It holds up for me because I love it. But... I watched it when I was a kid religiously, and I watched it again somewhat recently because uh, at work we have this contest for Halloween. We raise money for the United Way, and one of the things we'll do is each department will decorate 
just did you do a Willy Wonka theme? And we did the Willy Wonka theme. Okay, yeah. So I like rewatched it. It's like, oh, I still really enjoy this. I just like how odd it is, you know, being based on a Roald Dahl novel. If they get it right, then it should probably be really weird. And it was, and oh, kind of terrifying the boat, the boat scene. Yeah, you know well, that no, he, you so- know that most of that was kind of all made up. By by Wilder at that moment, that's that, not surprising. Some of, song. some of the song and whatnot, oh, and he I was bet. so serious about what he was saying. His and voice the, is incredible. He honestly, he frightened the other actors. He mm-hmm. frightened a couple of the kids with how serious he was. And, I, and and I was reading a couple of little bits about that, and I was like, "You've got to be kidding me!" He was really. I mean, the kids were freaking out. But mm-hmm. then you come back to you know the reaction um, that the kids had when they actually saw the the work floor or whatever with all the candy and everything else. That was a genuine reaction. They had never seen that before. Oh, that's and interesting. Most of it I didn't was know that. real from they, what I've read. Yeah, they had never seen that before. So when the kids came in and he, you know, he says, "Let's them loose," and he starts singing the song. By the way. From my childhood, again, that song to this day still puts a lump in my throat. Really? The way he sings it, in the context that it's used, that song still gets me all choked up and a little verklempt. It has one of the best intros pretty much of all time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Takes him a long time to walk down those steps, but it is done for a reason. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I always remember being really accepting of what I was being shown as a kid, despite the fact that these kids are, like, dying left and right. But see, that's the thing. They they never really said that they were dying. But I I always assumed they did, too. But in the book, they didn't. Yeah, in the book, they spell out that the kids didn't die. They didn't die, yeah. Yeah. I didn't read the Raw Doll book. Yeah. Does it say what happened to them? Oh, well, they were just there? spoiled, rotten kids who got their comeuppance, basically. Yeah, I think they, they just explained. I mean, I think what happened to the kids in the in the book and the movie, like it was similar, if not the same. But then it explained like the parents, at least in some instances, like picking the kids up and leaving. And mm-hmm. um, I think they may have even explained that Violet shrank down, but she was still blue or something like that. I have to reread it because it's been years since who I've cares? read the book. They all were. I mean, she sucks. Every one they of all them, suck. With the exception of Charlie. And, yeah. and even Charlie at the end, you kind of want to slap him, too. Because mm-hmm. you know what? No kid's that good. Absolute candy. Grumps, no absolutely. <laughs> exactly, right? Would you have snuck that fizzy lifting drink? I and sure would have if I was able to. back down. Hell yeah, I would have. Try not to do it under a giant industrial fan, though. <laughs> well, and see, that's the that's the the unreality that of some things. Yeah. That was part. way poor planning on Wonka's part. Yeah. And also, I remember thinking as a kid, uh, Grandpa Joe, you're an asshole. <laughs> you've been pretending like an invalid for twenty years. <laughs> you're just waiting and for Charlie to get that golden ticket. You're a chocolate factory, and you're like, I'm okay, and I'm singing. And Did I'm you so know? Did you know that that actor who played Grandpa Joe was actually blinded? He 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 blind in one eye, and so they had to like flash a red light to get him to move to where his spots were. Oh, wow! Yeah, it was from gas, like during the war or something like that. You know, I mean, he—that's pretty terrible. Yeah, it was really horrible. But again, I mean, in you know, in the movie, you're right. I mean, how in the world? Why are you not? You know, how could you play? You've been watching like this. your granddaughter sweep around you for 20 years. years exactly. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll take care of the cooking and cleaning and absolutely everything. Yeah, oh, yeah you you four just so lay here in bed. So who's to go to the candy factory? Grandpa, who's been doing jack shit for decades. <laughs> yeah, let him go. Mom doesn't deserve to go. And while I don't necessarily like the Johnny Depp version of you know Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I do appreciate what he said 
to the the grandparents, you smell like soap and old people. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, it makes you wonder, that would have been the smell pervading that house. Old people and desperation. Old people at best. Oh, yeah, at best. Uh, but I I didn't really care much for the for the remake. Oh, that yeah. might have fueled yeah. my uh, distaste for remakes. Actually, that might have been really yeah. Cool. yeah. I'm surprised, and I guess you know it's the Hollywood machine. But Tim Burton's involved, so there is ample ground to take Willy Wonka in a totally dark direction, and no one probably will ever go there, and it, because it wouldn't get, get greenlit. Know. But uh, if someone takes another stab at it, that's the direction I would go in. Uh, it's pretty like dark. A hard R. Yeah, yeah. A hard R. Willy Wonka. <laughs> Well, Slugworth has to die. It's yeah. kind of surprising that Tim Burton did take the stance that he did because that's a really excellent point. He went like way over the top and you know, usually his primary colors are like red, gray, and black. I don't think there was any red, gray, and black that whole movie. Just so trying something different. Just, it was almost like a statement on the color palette of the original movie. I don't know. That I was don't know. weird. Yeah. But uh Wow, yeah, so we went far afield from yeah, Gene Wilder. Yeah. yeah it was another... I don't know. His uh, eyes were just so pretty. Who? Gene Wilder. You think so? Oh yeah. He did Beautiful have a real blues. like this. He had a really hypnotic gaze, if that makes sense. Well, he had some crazy eyes and yeah, in, at times, yeah, I'll agree with that. He's like he's. I think the hypno toad from Futurama was based <laughs> on him. <laughs> why, why do I? Why do I just hear? Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> I meant to watch some interviews. I don't think I've ever seen him uh, interviewed because I feel like he did really well at staying out of the spotlight. Well, you know, one of the quotes that he had was he loved the show but hated the business. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, for the last 20 years of his life, he was out of the limelight. You yeah. never saw him. I mean, you know, it's been a long time since he's been involved with anything, particularly since uh, Gilda died. And mm-hmm. he's been very, very much so involved with uh, the charities that were surrounding the you know, the cancer charities that he had for her. He was still for married her. to Gilda Radner, right? When she oh, died? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they were. And, and that you know, sadly, she died way too young. But again, it's it's he was very focused towards the end of his life on on those things rather than show business. And I would love to hear in and I missed this the other night. Uh, Mel Brooks was actually on was on the Tonight Show the other night, and and I wanted to see his interview at that point right after his very good friend had passed away. I wanted to know if they were going to talk about it. Maybe they were going to dance around it or whatever, but. Mm-hmm. It would have been very interesting for me to hear what he had to say because they'd worked so well together for so many years, and yet, literally, Wilder had basically stayed out of the limelight for forever, mm-hmm. and and yet Mel Brooks is still out there kicking it, you know, and kind of doing his thing. So I, I know that really good satire. It seems like it's harder to find because people are looking for you know your scary movies, disaster movies of the world where it's just hey. You know that popular movie you watched last year? Well, here's a reference to it that's really over the top, and we're going to crush you over right. the head with it. And that's definitely not but the But also, way to go. Not, not, not only that for movies, but you've got such great writing that's going on on television with Family Guy and, and uh, even still South Park and some of the other stuff. Plus, there's some really twisted new cartoons, satirical stuff that's coming out that my children have introduced me to. Oh, no. Oh, Rick, hell no. Uh, Rick and Morty. I don't know if you've heard of Rick and I Morty. I've to watch that one because... Uh, a... It's not on a channel right at the moment, I don't think. But look for Rick and Morty. That's some twisted stuff, man. I've been and, recommended that a, a couple of times. Uh, you know, and even something as mainstream as Adventure Time, it's still twisted. 
you know, just some weird stuff going on. But I don't know. I don't know what they would. I, I, I'm kind of wanting to see the new one sausage party a little bit just to see how really over the top that one is. Because let's be honest, with all of the animated films that are out there, yeah, they're writing more for parents now than ever before. Mm-hmm. But this one is strictly for adults. It is meant for adults. I'm curious to see how adult this film truly is because all the interviews I've seen so far, they've been just like, yeah, don't you dare take your child to this film. <laughs> Boy, we went right far now. afield from Gene Wilder. Yeah, oh, that's Gene okay. Wilder. Hey, yeah, hey. Yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, and then Young Frankenstein. That would have yes. been another one that I would have oh, probably yeah. chosen. I think maybe the, that one, uh, aside yeah. from Willy Wonka, the one that people associate him Oh, as way. as Doctor Frankenstein, yeah, because yeah. he wrote that too. Oh, yeah, Gene yeah. Wilder wrote that. Right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. And and again, it produced by Mel Brooks, who for once didn't make an appearance in in a film yeah, like that's that. Weird. I mean, um, but Terry Gar and uh, Marty and Feldman, Kahn, isn't it? What's that? Isn't Madeline Kahn plays yeah. his his fiance or financier, fiance, you know. <laughs> and uh, but it's just the the I show that one when I teach Frankenstein in school and they get a kick out of it because first of all they're not expecting it to be funny no they do they expect it to be morbid and dark like they see well they see they see Frankenstein and they're thinking well then they see black and white and then I immediately lose half the class with black and white yeah and then when it finally gets into it and it really starts to you really start to see what the movie's all about and how really truly funny it is I mean brilliantly funny that's when, yeah, they start to appreciate it. And, That's cool. And, so it holds up. They they like it. Oh yeah. Oh That's yeah. That's really cool. I always wonder that about you know movies. I usually have to pick classes that are a little more mature to show it to because yeah. you know again it's it's those that are. Uh, they have to be able to, you know, deal with some of the sexual humor and whatnot that's in there. So, roll, roll, roll in the hay. <laughs> One of my favorite. I think I laughed the hardest in uh, Blazing Saddles when uh, Bert and Waco Kid dress up in the uh, KKK. Costume. Oh yeah, Which and he pulls it off, know. and he's like, "And for my next impression, Jesse Owens." <laughs> <laughs> Timing was so great. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm pretty sure Dave Chappelle got his inspiration from one of for one of his most well known skits from that because at what other point in cinema or TV was an African American man just oh coincidentally in like a Klan uniform? Oh yeah, no kidding. Well, coincidentally, like, the, like the the henchmen to me were one of the most hilarious parts because while it starts off there's there's Taggart and there's Headley and he's talking about all the the henchmen he wants desperados and this and this and then Taggart's like searching for a notebook to write it all down so he's told <laughs> to write it down and Headley just you know in his overblown fashion names like twenty five different kinds of villains and then Taggart's you know asking him to repeat it and then they're like bikers and Nazis and Klanmen and you know. Mexican gangsters and well, it, it's funny the of... banditos stuff. So here's your badge. We don't need badges. We don't need no stinking badges. Which is yeah. a direct nod to the Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Is which that is, the originator of that's that? the originator of that Treasure of the Sierra Madre is the film that that's from. Badges. That. We don't need no stinking badges. And throws it back at him. <laughs> yeah, that no whole kidding. sequence was just complete gold. Just because. Uh, it goes back to Gene Wilder being great in any situation. He was like, oh, boys, look what I have. And then Bart's like, oh, where are the white women at? Where are the white women <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I wrote that down. That's wonderful. Where are the white women at? That's probably one one of, if not my favorite 
you know, extended sequence throughout the field, even down, even down to uh, Jim and Bart are approaching the table, and obviously Bart is not white, but he has his hand exposed, and then Jim just says, oh, I'm going oh, yeah, to wash, wash that off. Right the field. It's coming off. It's coming off. off. Yep, yep. Look. <laughs> you know, after those cross burnings, you got <laughs> to make sure you wash your hands. Uh, did you read that Mel Brooks pitched this script to John Wayne? No. Oh, no. The Duke in the no. Movie. No. And John Wayne read it in one night and called him the next morning. And he was, was laughing. And he was like, you know, I can't be in a movie like this, but I'll be the first in line to see it. That's awesome. It sounds like a very John Wayne thing. Yeah. yeah, to yeah, say. yeah. Also, I'm already drunk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know where I am, but I know who I am. I'm John Wayne and I can't be in that movie. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably a good thing that he wasn't in that movie. Yeah, yeah, that would have taken away some of the. Um, yeah, there's no funny there. I don't see yeah, no funny, and also I wouldn't be, ever be able to. You know, as he was able to have that demeanor when, as soon as you saw him on screen, there's this reputation that follows him from all of his previous work, and you know, there's no actors really around today that just do one character no. for like 30 years. I know, not at all. And, and yet, so that would not have been... Yeah, there's no... Yeah, well, you could argue that Keanu Reeves kind of does the same character every single time, but that's okay. Kind of, but I don't know yeah. if he knows that. I no, think he, no, he is actually I trying to he act. he thinks yeah. he's trying to hey, act. you're right. Yeah. I'm a Ronin. <laughs> See, uh, it, I think it's just a, it just depends on, you know, the creative team around him because he can deliver something that's fantastic you just need to realize that he's not going to be the guy who wows you. No. Yeah. Not at all. Not even close. Yeah. So he's like the anti-Gene Wilder who could probably do yeah. – give him material and he'll run with it. But even then, Gene Wilder, while his characters are fairly distinct, he was still Gene Wilder, recognized as Gene yeah, Wilder. Yeah, yeah. I mean he always had that charm. Yeah. But, I mean now with – you know, certain actors that get pigeonholed, it's not like a strategic career move. It's like, oh, no, you done goofed, and now you got to do this Right, forever. exactly. Well, uh, Nicolas Cage is a perfect example. <laughs> I mean, his films have absolutely gone downhill with the rapidity of, <laughs> I don't with know. With the exception yeah. of Face Off the Rock and Con Air, which are still flawless. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no. Yeah, no. Uh, no. I will never forgive him for Ghost Rider. Uh, yeah. yeah, who asked for that movie anyway? Or the sequel? A Ghost Rider uh, movie. A Ghost Rider movie. If they did it right, would be right. amazing. But they but had Nicolas Cage as, yeah, that, yeah. Because, yeah. That was a Nicolas Cage impression. That was pretty good. Yeah. Look, I'm wide-eyed and crazy. I'm Nicolas Cage. <laughs> but on a happy note, this was filmed on the same set that Westworld was filmed on. Uh, Blazing, Blazing Saddles. Saddles. I was going to say, not Vampire's Kids. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what? What? Well, yeah. that was that was hilarious, too, how they, they played with the genre conventions. You know, in the whole, well, we're going to hatch a plan, and their plan was to uh, build a toll booth and then yeah. build a fake town out of studio sets. Yeah, no yeah, kidding. I love their pan over to the studio lots. To yep. the, uh, yeah. Go get yeah. a bunch of dimes. <laughs> That's horrible. La pet La Petamane. La Tomaine. <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's funny too because these days not a whole lot of writers will go that stupid or literal and i just like that kind of stupid humor if that makes sense where 
it's not like it's the most intelligent thing in the world, but it's the most hilarious thing in the world. Now it just seems like, hey, uh, we need something funny. Okay, let's throw poop on a character, and then there will be fart sounds, and that's the gag. Um, yeah. That level of stupid. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's 12-year-old, but not quite clever 12-year-old, unlike a bunch of cowboys sitting around farting in a fire. Yeah, which is kind of 12-year-old, but also like 30 years ago and exactly. never been done. Well, no, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I really appreciate his uh, integrity with this movie and all these different studio execs trying to get him to change a scene or take a line out or... You know, maybe instead of saying the word 79 times, maybe you should, can only say it 60. And uh, he was always polite about it and, you know, said what he needed to say to talk his way out of the conversation and just not change anything. Of course not. Of course not. And I feel and like you don't see that, that with, like, pure comedy directors oh, these no. days. No, it's no. like, all right, well, whatever I need to change, that's fine. I, but again, I think that if you're really looking for that edge that that that's put forth in in this movie, you have to go to the independent films, the ones that are doing it all on their own. They don't care if it makes it, it makes it. If it, it doesn't, it doesn't. They don't care. That's where the beauty of the internet and just having a a handheld camera and a bunch of friends can really make a difference with some of that, you know, with, with, it's going to change the way things are, I think, and probably bring back some of the quote unquote good old days of movie making, if you will. But it's, it's a very my... interesting time. That's for sure. Because it, well, um, it's with, with cinema and music really where you can now have access to things that would have cost you like tens of thousands of dollars. Like, with oh, music, absolutely. you know, the old idea was, okay, you need to book this studio and you need to go. Yep. And now it's like, okay, you have software and you can record, you know, almost exclusively through your laptop. And yep. then you can use kind of the same principles with film where, yeah. Okay. Uh, a Marvel cinematic universe film is probably going to look better than, you know, your pet project that has a budget of $5,000, but $5,000 is going to go a lot farther now than it did then. Oh, heck yeah. Oh yeah. No doubt about it. What do you think their horse budget was for Blazing Saddles? <laughs> oh my God. How much do horses get paid? Because I know, I don't know. Toto got paid $125 a week. What? With Wizard of Oz. I guess there wasn't like a star horse, uh, though. That's the no, thing. So there probably weren't any yeah. like prima donna horses. Yeah, Maybe the one with the noose had to get paid more because of the trauma. Well, hazard pay. That's one thing they P- wouldn't be able to do today. PETA would be all over film. that. They Punch would... a horse in the face. Oh, come on. Not that I was offended by it, but I think No, that... I mean, come on. Let's let's think about it. How many times have you seen that in movies? I it, Repeatedly. Uh, Conan the Barbarian punches a horse. Uh, uh, Mongo punches a horse. Uh, who else punches a horse? Or no, somebody punches a camel in a movie. Uh, in Cannibal Holocaust, they freaking cut open a turtle. Like, it's a real turtle. They just take a huge knife. It's just like, kush, 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 kush. Granted, that's, I think, the same time frame, but... Ben, yeah. I worry about I, I don't Oh, no, that but that's the thing. That. I don't like Cannibal Holocaust. Okay, but the fact that you know that, that makes me worry about you just a little bit. It's just knowledge. No. I think I'd say be worried okay. about me if knowledge I enjoyed it, but power. it was just another. It was just another movie where it's just really violent. People are like, "No, but there's there's commentary behind it." No, there's no, not. It's it just someone matter. trying it's to some... be shocking. Yeah, and there's but nothing I tend good to remember about that. Movies that I really really hate. You know, movies that like evoke an emotion like hate in me are permanently ingrained in my mind. You mean Maybe that's how the room? 
Ooh, I've been wanting to watch that again lately. You are a sick, sick man. And you know that they're doing some sort of a documentary, a mockumentary. With James Franco? With J- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have set pictures. They're yeah, amazing. Tommy's going to be in it, too. Oh, and of course. At least for a I think that was like part. I think that was part of the deal, though, that he had to be in the movie somewhere at some point in order for this to get green. Like, and he still has no idea what he's doing. Uh, it was a black comedy the whole time. I knew that it was funny. Now that would no, be. He really didn't. He had no idea. Well, see, I, I think it is unfortunate too that someone like uh, Gene Wilder has been out of the spotlight for so long, but good for him that he can do that, you know, because he probably just was smart with his money. But someone like him, uh, like adding him to a project like that would probably give it instant credibility. And just imagine him channeling Tommy Wiseau. Oh, my God. I mean, he doesn't fit, like, the look, but just imagine if he was him, that would just be Oh, I don't even want to think, no, because Wilder would even look at that and go, yeah, I don't think so. Who knows? Whereas it's the, a crazy world. Ugh, I guess. I'm just saying in general, like if you had, you know, solid creative forces making really great satire movies and not the disaster movies and scary movies of the world, it would be nice to have Gene Wilder around. But maybe that's one of the reasons he looked around and said, nah, I'm cool with just doing my own thing. And that's that. Interesting. Yeah, the, showbiz. It'd be interesting to read a, or watch an interview with uh, Cleavon Little about his attachment to this movie. Because like before this, he was in uh, Hell Comes to Harlem as a uh, criminal, and then he was in, in an All of the Family episode, and right. his name was just Coke, and kind of like getting pigeonholed as these like black cliche characters, but that was a lot of the... You know, it was still very much in the time of the black exploitation and creature. It was, it was, it was was interesting because he really, he seemed like he really, really enjoyed making this movie. I mean, black actor isn't part of this movie unless you really like believe in what it's trying to um, make a statement on. That's true. And what it's saying. Should I get a shutter subscription or what? Yeah, I don't have mine anymore. You don't. You don't use it. Yeah, you I didn't really use it. it. It's only five five bucks a month. It's five bucks. So if if you have the time, then it's worth it. But then it's like, well, I'm not using this. I'm paying five bucks a month for it. It's really great. They do have a lot of choices for horror movies, but you're probably not going to find Young Frankenstein on there. Um, no. <laughs> I hope not. I would hope not too. It's not a horror. Exactly. Well, that's about it. Gonna have Partners. to hit the trail. So uh, right off into the sunset. Next week we'll either be doing the 1954 Japanese classic Seven Samurai or the 1987 John Waters comedy Hairspray. Do you think that's a comedy? Hairspray. Yeah, I don't. I'm I'm kind of love and hate with John Waters movies. Okay, I think my favorite John Waters film is uh, Seed of Chucky. I think we'll have to have that conversation later. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, we do this every Tuesday. You can hear a bunch of our other episodes on the SoundCloud page, SoundCloud.com/slash Movie Show Theater. There you go. What, 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 what? 90.7 WHU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So until next Tuesday, I'm Jimmy Malone. 
I'm Ben Snowden. And I'm Stuart Randolph. And you've been listening to Movie Show Theater. Shining star. His job.